0: Here. Today, I want to talk about this is the lie that this is just who I am. I can't change. This is just who I am. I will never be able to change. And one of the statements that I made last week that kind of weaves its way through our entire series is a lie believed as truth affects us as if it's truth. A lie believed as truth affects us as if it's truth. I remember in elementary school hearing about these, these big old elephants. I got to see some a couple of weeks ago, these big old elephants. And when they're baby elephants, they would tie a rope around the, the baby elephant's leg and hold it in captivity, and it would try to get away and it couldn't. And as the elephant got bigger, they would just use that same little rope. And the elephant didn't know that it could just snap that rope and walk right out. And it it was held in captivity. By a lie, by a deception, that this rope can hold you. And many of us are in bondage, and we've been in bondage so long to different strongholds in our life that we don't even try anymore. We don't even try to get free. We don't even check to see if, the, you know, if it's locked. We don't even try. And we live out our life in bondage. So that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. This is just who I am. I can't change 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Divine power to demolish strongholds. And that word demolish is where we get our word for dynamite to demolish, to blow up, to explode. There's power to demolish strongholds. And a stronghold is, is just uh, something that's been fortified. It's a strong castle. It, it literally means a prisoner locked up by deception. Locked up by, by deception. A prisoner held captive by a lie. So many of us are prisoners to different lies in our life. And that's why we're, that's why we're talking about this for four weeks maybe more we'll see how it goes you know it's like there's a lot of beautiful women that I've met through the years and they have they have issues body issues and they look in the mirror and they see something totally different and you can tell them over and over you're beautiful you're beautiful you're created by God you're beautiful but they look in the mirror and they don't see that they believe a lie And they're held captive by a lie. And God wants to free us from these lies. Now guys, on the other hand, they look in the mirror. They can look bad and they think they look great, right? You know who you are. You're those guys that wear those Speedos on the beach. Those things are nasty. I see that and I just want to throw up a little bit in my mouth. Put the Speedo away. So five strongholds that I want to talk about today. Five strongholds. The first one is money. The first stronghold is money. So many of us are in bondage to our beliefs and what we think about money. There was a Forbes article May twenty fourth, twenty twelve, and the title was "Is the Bible the Ultimate Financial Guide?" Question mark. Written by Cheryl Nash. And this is what it said. I'm just going to read it to you. Um, Grandich, I believe that's how he says his name, Grandich is co-founder with former New York Giants player Lee Rosen of Trinity Financial Sports and Entertainment uh, Company, a firm that specializes in offering guidance from a Christian perspective to professional athletes and celebrities. He says the answer to all sorts of money issues can be found in the good book. I get my financial guidance, he says, from the Bible. He's also author of Confessions of a Wall Street Whiz Kid. In a prepared statement, said money and possessions are the second most referenced topic in the Bible. Money is mentioned more than 800 times. Now, I didn't go and check and count, but that's, that's what he says. And the message is clear. Nowhere in Scripture is debt viewed in a positive way. He also says that his years as a highly successful Wall Street stockbroker left him spiritually depleted, clinically depressed, and he says the Bible is an excellent financial advisor. Whether or not you're religious, it doesn't matter. The writers of the Bible anticipated the problems we would have with money and possessions. Um, And he says there's more than 2,000 references. He says our whole culture now is built on the premise that if we have more money and more stuff, uh, we'll feel happy and secure. Public storage is the poster child for what's wrong with America. We have too much stuff because we've bought into the myth fabricated by Wall Street and Madison Avenue, that more stuff equals happiness. He adds, uh, adds, that's the total opposite of the truth and the opposite of what the Bible teaches about money. So maybe some of you have just been in a place year after year where you say, I just, I'm not good with money and I'm always gonna be this way. My parents weren't good with money. My parents fought about money. Uh, You know, budgets make my head hurt. You know, you people that live with those envelopes, you're crazy. You know, that Dave Ramsey guy just sounds like blah, 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 blah to me. And this is just how I am. there will never be enough. I'll always be in debt. And money things just freak me out. I can never be generous. There are givers and takers in this life And I will always be a taker. It's just who I am. I can never change. And that is a stronghold. That is a lie that God wants to break in your life. Number two, relational strongholds. That's a person who would say, you know, I'm never gonna be in a healthy relationship. My marriage is always gonna stink. Or I'm just never gonna get married. I've tried. I've opened up to people. I've gotten burnt over and over. And you know what? I'm not affectionate. I'm just not that way. You know, I told you I loved you when we got married, and if something changes, I'll let you know. I don't say things. I'm not affectionate toward the people I love. I just can't open up. It's who I am, and I can never change. That's another lie that God wants to break, a stronghold. Number three, habitual strongholds. You're addicted to something. Maybe it's the lottery, Powerball, Scratchies. And you you say, come on, God, just let me win. I promise if I win, I'll build that new building for the youth. Just let me win. One time. Give me the numbers. For some of you, it's looking at things that you shouldn't look at. And you look at them again and again and again and you say, you know what? I'm never going to do that again. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stop doing that. And it happens all over again. And pretty soon you just give up and you say, you know what? It's just the way I am. I can never change. Now, I'm pretty sure, full disclosure, that I'm addicted to coffee. Two cups. After two cups, I get a little weird, but i got to have two cups. I cannot function without two cups of coffee. And even when we went to Africa recently, you know, my biggest question for the missionary was when and where are we going to get coffee? I didn't care about food. I didn't care about our safety. I remember he was loading water up in the car because we were going to travel across South Africa and into Mozambique for 12 hours. I didn't care about any of that. I just want to know where's the coffee. And if I need to bring like some Folgers instant and water and go out in the bush and cook a little fire and make coffee... I will do it. But he assured me, we've got you covered. You're going to be okay. I looked up uh, Kopi Luwak. Have you guys heard of that? It's, that? it's the most expensive coffee on the planet. It's $32 an ounce. Anybody had it? $32. You can get it on Amazon right now. I think you have to buy three ounces uh, <laughs> minimum. It's the world's most ex- You know why it's so expensive? Because there's these little Indonesian cat-like things that eat the seeds, eat the the coffee beans and digest them. And then they come out, I don't want to know. And then they make the coffee out of them. And it's supposed to be really good. And somehow that makes it worth $32 an ounce. Now, if I were really, really addicted to coffee, you know, I'd be like, I got to have this coffee and I'm not paying the mortgage, you know, and I'm out there doing this. We're all addicted to something at some level. Could be alcohol, could be drugs pain meds, maybe for you it's nicotine, maybe it's shopping. Uh, I think AJ was telling me this week there's a, a new addiction to phones, right? People just can't be without their phones. You know, you leave it at home accidentally and you can't function. Where's the phone? Where is it? Whatever it is, God can set you free. You don't have to live there. You don't have to live in that bondage. Number four, Mental strongholds. Mental strongholds. You know, I just have a bad attitude. It's just how I am. I'm just kind of a negative person. My grandfather had a bad attitude. You know, his his grandfather had a bad attitude. We just see life from a negative perspective. It's just who we are. I'm just a critical person, you know? I'm just kind of grumpy. I'm just a cusser. I just cuss. That's just who I am. Deal with it. My neighbor's growing up across the street. They they fought all the time. There were four boys. And if the boys weren't in a fist fight with each other, they were in a fight with someone at the 7-Eleven right outside. We'd go in there and play video games and and drink Slurpees. And it didn't matter. Every Saturday, they got in a fist fight with somebody out in front of the 7-Eleven. Sometimes they won. Sometimes they lost. But I remember them telling me, well, this is who we are. We're German. This is how German people are. We're just angry. We just fight all the time. And I remember thinking as a 10 year old, wow, German people are angry. Cause I didn't know any other German people, just them. I remember sharing that with uh, this lady in our church who's very wise. She's actually the mother of the missionary that I went to visit. And she said, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And then I started thinking, yeah, you're right. That is stupid. But I had believed a lie. I had believed a lie. And so mental strongholds. This is just who I am. I can't change. Number five, spiritual strongholds. Spiritual strongholds. You know, I'm on fire for God one day and then and then the next. Oh, I don't know. And this is the year, you know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna invest in my spiritual walk. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna put some things in place, some some disciplines that help me. And I'm gonna set up some guardrails in my life in areas that I know that if I get too close to the edge, I could easily just fall over. This is the year. This is the year I'm gonna gonna get into biblical community and I'm gonna join a small group and and I'm gonna work on my church attendance and, and, and I'm gonna do better. And I'm gonna be a generous person. I'm gonna pray for people. I'm gonna start praying for people this year. This is when I'm gonna do it. And we get about three weeks into the year doing really good. And then it's just a stronghold year after year, year after year. I heard a pastor recently say that there's 168 hours in a week. And most people invest one to three hours in their spiritual walk. Three to 168. And he said, we only give you three if, you have, if you're in a small group. So you're here on Sunday, that's one, one and a half. I mean, I wouldn't bet on those odds. Spiritual strongholds. I'm just gonna, I'm just like this. I can't change. Our spiritual enemy continues to tell us, this is just who you are. Don't even try to get out because you can't change. And all of a sudden, after believing the lie long enough, in a sense, we're saying to God, God, even you can't change me. Even you aren't powerful enough to change me. I don't think there's a greater insult that we could say to God that you don't have the power to change me because I'm a prisoner like that elephant locked up by a lie. The truth is this, with the power of the Holy Spirit, he can change anything in you that's not like Jesus. Anything. And some of you, that might be new news. That might be good news. So with the balance of our time, I wanna look at three uh, tactics, strategies or how we can kind of get moving in the right direction, okay? The first one, if you're taking notes, write this down. You capture it. You capture the lie. Capture it. Take it hostage. What do you do when you find a mouse in your house? You capture it. Some of you kill it with a vengeance. Some of you catch it and set it free for your neighbors so they can have a mouse in their house. (laughs) You capture that thing, right? This isn't supposed to be here. You don't belong here. You capture it. You're out of place. Any thought that is inconsistent with God's word, we're, we're not going to allow it to continue in our brains, in our minds, in our thinking. We're going to capture it. 2 Corinthians 10:15. This, this is a deep verse. So, so really lean into this. It says. 10.5, uh, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take it captive. Every thought, and what do we do with it? We make it obedient to Christ. Every thought, we take it captive and we make it obedient to Christ. Take it captive. Every thought, make it obedient to Christ. Anything that's outside of God's truth, we capture it, we grab it, and we make it obedient to Christ. We don't allow any thoughts that are inconsistent with God's word to live on in our minds. Whatever your mind says, I can't overcome this addiction, capture it. I can't stop this habit, capture it. I've tried, capture it. Capture that lie, capture it. Make it obedient to Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I'm an overcomer, not my, by my power, but his. What I taught on last week, my grace is sufficient and my power is made perfect in weakness. We capture the lie. Philippians 4.8 says, and Paul is really good at doing this. Paul says this, he's in prison. He's facing possible execution. And this is what he says. Whatever is true and noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, what does he say for us to do? Think about these things. Think about these things. We capture the lie. We make it obedient to Jesus. We think about something else. Number two, we speak the truth. We speak the truth. Now, why is it so important to agree with God's truth in our own words, out loud? Well, there's power in words. There's power in words. Proverbs says that the tongue has the power of life and death. From the same tongue. Words, the power of life and death together. The tongue has the power to do both. And so many people speak words of death and defeat. You know, I I can't, I'm not like you. I can't do this. I'll never do this. I'll always be this way. I can't change. Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The power of the spoken word. We talked about Genesis a little bit last week. And I was thinking about the spoken word. Ch- check this out in Genesis 1, 1 through 27. I don't have just time to read all of it, but I'm gonna jump around. Genesis 1, 1 through 27. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty. And darkness was over the, the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God hovered over the waters. Wasn't much going on, was there? On planet Earth. Formless, empty, darkness. Verse 3 And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Verse 6 And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. Verse 9 And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. Verse 11, then God said, let the land produce vegetation. Verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the sky to separate the day from night. Verse 20, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the sky. Verse 24, and God said, let the land produce living creatures Verse 26, and then God said, let us make man in our image. You see it? The spoken word. Anything that was created by the creator was created through the power of the spoken word. And we have that power at our disposal. We need to use it. The spoken word. There's incredible power when we speak out truth. Psalms 19.14 says, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. What you're speaking on the outside and what's inside, they come together. And the writer's saying, I hope that this is pleasing in your sight. Neil Anderson put together an identity in Christ list, and those handouts are near you, why don't you grab one of those, and you can take these with you, please take them with you, take an extra, and I'd like just three of you to stand up and read one of these, or my extroverts. Just find one on there you want to read, stand up and read it. We're gonna speak out truth. This is truth. This is identity. This is who you are in Christ. Don't make me call on people. Who's ready? No, just one. Pick one out. So there's a little piece of truth about your identity. What was it? I'm a friend. I'm not a servant. I'm a friend. Christ sees you as a friend. Do you believe that? Your spiritual enemy would have you not believe that. Give me another one. Ryan. That's awesome. What's the truth about your identity in there? What does our spiritual enemy do? He says, you, you, sh- you, you should do this. You should eat from that tree. You should, you know, God's trying to, God's holding out on you. And then you do it and he says, ooh, you're a bad person. Ooh, we should tell God about you. And he condemns you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus took care of that piece of our identity on the cross. Give me another one. Oh, right there. You're right in my. Romans 8, 28. Uh, I am assured that God works for my good in all circumstances, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's great. What's the piece of truth in that? God has your best interests in mind. He's not a killjoy. Things that he asks us to do, they're for us. He created you. He wired you. He knows everything about you. He knows who you're supposed to be because he created you in whose image? His image. In his image. So take those with you and read them this week and speak them out loud. You know, Maybe not like walking down the street, (laughs) but someplace that's appropriate, you know? On the golf course, Chris, you know, when you're by yourself, you can speak a few of those out. Might even help. Number three, partner with the Holy Spirit. Partner with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Partner with the Holy Spirit. This is our third strategy, to break the lies and to get free. Well, we need to buddy up with the Holy Spirit. We need to combine forces. We need to work in tandem with God's power. What do I mean by that? Check this out. Colossians 129. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. First time I read that, I thought, that's like a brain teaser. What's he he saying here? I, I really had to look at this for a while this week. Let's look at the New Living Translation. It says, That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Do you see the combination? Do you see the working in tandem? But this is what I see so many people do. We choose one of two extremes. We go, you know what? I'm just gonna do this in my strength and my power. And I tried really hard and it didn't work. Uh, You know, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to be better. I'm going to work harder at it. You know, I'm going to be really, really devoted. And it's all about me and my will alone. Or the other extreme. Well, I prayed about it. You know, God wants to fix this in me. He'll fix it. I, I went back there and I put it on the cross and I had those nice people pray for me one Sunday and, And that's that. Told my small group five years ago, you know. And if God wants to fix this and do something in his power, he'll do it. But that's not what I see here. I see two things at work. I see Jack working as hard as he can and doing everything that I can do. And then when I'm at the end of Jack, the Holy Spirit finishes it. And his power is made perfect and what I can't do, but it takes two. And so many times we go to one extreme or the other and then nothing changes. Real change happens in tandem with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not all me, it's not all him, but it's all we working together. And this this word struggling, it means to, like, uh, to compete for a prize. Like you're really going for it. You know, if, if you're gonna compete for a prize and you, you know you're, you're gonna run a, you know, a, a 10K or something, and I mean, you put a lot of work into it. Like you, you change your lifestyle for the months leading up to that. You make major adjustments in your life because you're gonna compete for this thing. That's the word he uses for struggle. My part, my part is to struggle, to work on this, to contend like with an adversary and win. And it's where we get our word um, agony from. There's going to be pain. There's the old, you know, no pain, no gain. There's going to be pain. I'm working as hard as I can, but when my strength runs out, his power makes up the difference. That's the picture. And, um, School of Kingdom Ministry. We've been talking about School of Kingdom Ministry. This is a place where you learn how to do this in your life. They had their first class Monday, and I think it's not too late if you wanted to get in, talk to Pastor Jeff, and I'm pretty sure we can work something out. But that's a place where you learn how to do this in your life. James says it this way. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves to God... That kind of sounds like I have something to do and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Isn't that interesting? Capture the lies. Speak the truth and partner with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand So we're just gonna spend a little time inviting God's power. If you're new here today, we, just, we call this response time. We wanna carve out time when you can just respond to God. There's some different ways that you can spawn, respond. We, we have a cross back there, and if there's something you know, you're dealing with, you can write it down, put it on the cross. We'll have people pray for that. We also have some real live prayer people back there. They'd love to pray for you about anything we have communion prepared in the front and in the back. And you can come and take communion anytime. And we have, um, we have our offering boxes in the back. We believe that um, giving is a response to what God's been doing in our lives. And so that's why we do it when we do it as a response and as an act of worship. But I just wanna pray for you about these strongholds. Why don't you just close your eyes? Everybody have their eyes closed? I'm going to keep mine open, but you guys close your eyes. If you feel like you might just have one of those strongholds, will you just be vulnerable right now and lift your hand up? I won't call you out. Okay. Yeah, lots of you. So keep them up. No peeking. Holy Spirit, I know you see each one of those hands and you know the places where there's a stronghold, will you come right now? Will you come right now? They, they've made the first effort by just raising their hand. Will you come right now and bring freedom, bring freedom to those places? Come Holy Spirit. And will you give each of these people with their hands up a strategy for their part, what their struggle looks like. And then will you just work in tandem with them? Come Holy Spirit, you can put your hands down. Some of you this morning are really struggling with your identity. Father, I pray that um, we will see us the way you see us, through that lens. Children of God, you've been in pursuit of us our entire lives. Dearly loved children, we were still sinners while we were still in our stuff while we were still in our mess you died for us you made the first move because we have value to you and when we're disconnected from you you call us lost because we have value an inheritance waiting for us You have an inheritance waiting for you God has a good life for you Not always easy you begin to renew our minds right now. Remind us who you say we are, not who the accuser says we are. I think some of you today, you're just, you're really stuck and you need a breakthrough, a dynamite. feel like that's you today. I, I just really want to encourage you to go back and get some prayer during these next couple of songs.